Uh, we're in our series on Colossians. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray. We're going to pray. And then, um, yeah, then we're going to go right into the message today. It's going to be a little different, if that's okay. It's a little different, but then that'll be it. So let's, let's just pray. Let's just go to the Lord here and ask him to help us, help me. <laughs> Lord, thank you for this incredible opportunity truly, to, to be your mouthpiece right now. And I just, I pray, God, that you would work through me uh, to, to, to say what you want said today. Not a word more and not a word less than what you have. God, for all of us in this room, we, we see it as important to, to make Sundays a priority where we hear teaching. We're being taught stuff constantly, Lord from the world, every billboard we drive by, every commercial we see on TV, we're being taught stuff. Um, that's happening constantly. And what we're trying to do when we are sitting here and we're opening up, uh, I guess even being vulnerable enough to say, okay, some random guy up there, he can talk to me for a little bit, I guess. Um, really, God, we're not here to hear Seth's thoughts. We're here to hear from you. And so I pray that your spirit would work right now in such a way that we would, we would actually hear you, that we would hear your voice, the voice of the shepherd, and that we'd always run away from the voice of the stranger. The stranger that, that comes in with false teaching, the stranger that comes in with wrong teaching, stuff of this world, Lord, that we would, that we would run away from that, but that we would that we would be hearing your voice. So I pray that that would happen right now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There was a long time ago, a long, long time ago, there was um, a young man, a young poor man, a young poor man um, who didn't have any family, he didn't have any friends. He really couldn't even remember where he had come from. That was kind of forgotten by him because he had been alone so long. Um, this young man, he didn't own the land that he worked, but he had found kind of in the wilderness, out in the middle of nowhere where no one was, he had found a piece of ground that he was able to kind of till up and he planted some seeds and he did some kind of basic farming to grow enough crops so that he could provide food for him and his kind of his family, or not his family, just for him. Uh, he had gotten some, some uh, stray, like a, just a couple stray like animals that he had found in the wilderness. He had he kind of keeping some of them for himself. But this was pretty much his existence. This, this poor young man who, that's all he really knew was he was alone. He didn't know anybody. Nobody knew him. He was alone. One day, one day, um, a, a guy on a horse rides up, a messenger. And the guy on the horse comes to this young man, to this young boy. And he says to him, young man, uh, I have a message for you. I have some news for you. And it's good news. It's... it's uh, it's actually kind of incredible, quite honestly. But he says, I'm, 
I have to tell you that there's a king. There's a, a, the king of this land. The king of this land um, has recently found out through kind of some incredible circumstances, but we've been able to discover that you are actually the king's son. You're actually the king's of this whole land. You're his son. And the messenger says, the king has brought, uh, has sent me kind of fast, and so I've brought what I could kind of bring in a fast kind of way. I, I brought you some, some, um, some clothes. I've brought you some, uh, enough food for a, a certain amount of time here. Um, and, but, the, but the king himself is actually coming. The king himself will actually, will actually be coming and, um, in just a few short months. In just a few short months, he'll be here. Uh, to, to, to be your, he's your dad. He's your father. And so the young man heard this. The young man heard this and began to think about all of the different changes that might, that might come. He began to think about um, maybe, maybe he, he begins to think about this king, this king. We got a picture of maybe a king. Um, and he begins to think about how, how maybe he, uh, he begins to think about where he might actually end up living in a palace. And he begins to think about uh, like the banquet halls that might be coming down the pipeline for him in the near future. And this this young man out in the field now, this young man out in the field, this, this poor farmer who has nothing, who's actually been stealing from the land that isn't his, now has everything. He has everything. It's all his. And the king will be here in just a few short months. What, what, what kinds of things would this young man be thinking about? How would this change his life? How would it change his life? Today I want to talk about this idea of now and, and not yetness that there is in the gospel. It's a biblical concept that honestly today I think will, will help some of you in a way that you've never been helped before. You've never thought about it like this. And this particular teaching that I'm going to bring today, I think it could really bless some people in the room. And now, I don't think it's going to necessarily bless everybody because I think some of you will be like, I already kind of get that or I've thought about that in kind of another way or something that's been helpful. That's fine. But for some of you, I think today is really going to bless you. There's a now and a not yetness that is in the biblical narrative that I want to kind of pull out and it especially pops today from our Colossians reading. So Colossians chapter 3, verses 1. I want to read just a little bit, and then I'm going to teach, and I'm going to read a little bit, I'm going to teach, I'm going to read a little bit, and I'm going to teach, okay? If then, now just really fast, let me stop there. If then, we've, I've been talking to you about how chapters 1 and chapters 2 of Colossians is grounded in the indicative verbs, the, the verbs of what God has done. Paul sets up a lot of his Letters like this. He talks about 
on the front end, what God has done, and then oftentimes it moves to the imperatives, the, the ethical pieces of, of what maybe how we are to live our life or something like that. And that's, all, that's a lot of times how Paul sets up his letters, and, and, and this is how he sets up the book of Colossians. Well, as we've been looking at the past two chapters, chapters one and chapters two of Colossians, it's been all about what God has been doing for us. Especially back in chapter two, verse 12, talking about and connecting to baptism and how God works in baptism to connect us to himself. And we're going to see this begin to transition to some of the imperatives, some of the, hey, now what are we to do? But I want to show you how chapter 3, verse 1 and through 4 here is kind of a connecting. It, it connects us to the stuff of earlier and it begins to move us into some of the imperatives. So listen to this. If then, this is therefore, there's another therefore there. If therefore, therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, now that word raised, that exact verb has been used back in chapter 2, verse 12, in connection with baptism. So he's bringing this out even more. Okay? If then you have been raised with Christ, back in, some of you don't believe me, so I'm just going to say it. Having been buried with, this is past chapter 2, verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him. That same word is used. Raised with him through faith. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Whoa, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. So here, baptism, if we've, been, if we've died with Christ, if we've been raised with Christ, notice that's in the past tense. That's happened. We have that. In baptism, we have been connected with Jesus' death and resurrection. We have it now. We already have that. Paul uses other language in other, uh, some of his other epistles to talk about this. He talks about things like, uh, like in Ephesians 2, it says, we, have, we are seated with him. Even now. Well, I'm not sitting. I'm standing right now. Well, there's a reality in which we are even now seated with Christ. Or or. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says that we actually now have the mind of Christ. Well, what the heck does that mean? How do I already, already have it? I have that now. I'm, how am I already forgiven perfectly? Like, how is that? Well, it's through our baptism we're connected. We've been died with Christ. We've been raised with Christ. And in connection with him... We already have everything. It's the in Christness. That's actually a, a term that Paul uses all over the New Testament. What does it look like to be in Christ? To have everything already now. This I've used this illustration before, but you know my parents have some property up in Wisconsin, and if I were to go up on my parents' property and somebody were to be on our pro, you know the, my parents' property that isn't supposed to be there, I have the authority. I have the authority to say, hey, you gotta, you got to get off this property. Now, how is, that, how is that possible? Well, it's only in connection with the will of my parents, right? 
And in connection with the will of the, my parents, that property is already mine. I have it now. I already have that authority. I have it all. What does it look like to have everything in Christ? Therefore, if you, notice that these are past tense verse. If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. That becomes, uh, yep, that, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind. So, you know, I, th- I was thinking about this, this um, the man in the story, the, 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 the young man, this poor farmer. He's been told that he's a prince. He's been told he's a prince. Is he a prince or not? Well, yes. He is. And yet he waits for the father, right? And yet he waits. There's a, there's, we have everything, and yet there's also a not yetness. And the not yetness, you can see this here. Look at verse 3. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ. In God. There's a not yetness. We we wait for. Look at verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then when he is revealed, we will be revealed. There's a hiddenness. There's an under, there's a there, we have it all and yet not yet. I wanted to quick read to you this quote. This quote, because see, so many of us we experience this. We we feel this. We're like, I believe in Jesus, my Lord and Savior. I, I have everything in him. And yet then when I look at my life and my day-to-day and the stuff inside of me, it's like, man, it doesn't feel like I have that all. Because we keep wrestling with this thing called sin and struggle and all that, right? And so listen to this. I just want you to look. This was from a commentary. I thought this was a good thought. In this life, The Christian's possession, now this is a particular guy's thought here. In this life, the Christian's possession of eternal life is hidden under the shadow of suffering and cross-bearing which we must endure. Our life is hidden underneath the shadow of suffering and cross-bearing that we must endure. Theologians talk about this as a theology of the cross versus a theology of glory. A theology of glory would begin to paint this picture that that once we have Christ, everything is just good and gets better. But the reality is, is in Christ, we have access to everything, princes and princesses of the king. And yet we wait. And yet we wait. What would that young man in the story, how, how, how difficult would that be to begin to put off his old self and to begin to put on what it means to be a prince? How would you go about doing that? As he waits for this new, this, this father to return, this king What would it look like to put off and what would it look like to put on? See, we live by faith. We live by faith. And it's a a reality. Listen, the, the good news of Jesus is a reality that we already have and it's an ongoing goal for Christ like conduct. 
And this, this is what we see as, as Paul lays this out for us. It's a, it's a daily, listen, life for the Christian, life for the Christian is waking up to this reality each day that we have it all and yet we wait for it. First Peter, so you know, if you don't like Paul, well, let's go look at what Peter says about this. First Peter chapter one, verse six says this. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see that? You see how that's the same thing? We have it all. We have all the riches. Ephesians 1 says, in Christ we have every spiritual blessing. We have it all. And yet, we suffer various trials. You might even call them tests. So that the tested genuineness of your faith may be found to result in praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It points us to begin to realize who we are and look to the one who has made us who we are. Today, really, today, when I title this, this, this message, it will be, be who you are. Be who you are. Because what's going to happen here is Paul is going to transition now into imperatives. And what, what oftentimes, even in churches, gets twisted, and, and I'm very sensitive to somebody who'd be here for the first time today. What can quickly get twisted is that Christianity seems like it's all about what we have to do to clean up our lives in order to get this God to love us or get this God to care for us or get this guy to, to make us a prince or a princess. That's not it. That's backwards. So I want us to start thinking about being who we already are. Because of the good news that we've been told. We're a son, we're a daughter of a king. So let's look at some of this. Let's move into put off. That's, the, that's kind of what, where Paul goes next. Let me just read this. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Put to death this stuff. Put it off. Now, he's talking to Christians here. Notice that. You see that? He's not talking to the not Christian person who he's saying, okay, first you got to do this, then this happens. No, he's talking to believers, and he's saying, okay, here's what I want you to do. Put it off. This isn't who you are. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, some translations say, add. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them away. 
anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Notice, notice what, what God is doing here. He's beginning to restore the image that Adam and Eve had lost in the Garden of Eden. He's already beginning to res bring restoration to that. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. What's he saying here? He's saying, he's saying that young, that poor farmer, when you wake up tomorrow, when you wake up tomorrow, don't go put on the, the clothes you used to wear. Put that off. The, the king has given you some stuff to, to put on while you await his return. While you wait for his coming, put that on. Now that might be hard to do. If you've gotten used to waking up each morning and you have this on, that could be a challenge. But you're not the poor farmer anymore. You're the prince. You own the land. Be who you are. What does this look like to put off some of these things? I don't know if any of these things kind of hit you in particular. What do you have to put off this morning? Get rid of it. That's not you. That's not who you are. See, the Christian life is one where we wake up each day and we put off and we put on. And we remember who we are. That's, what we, that's the Christian life. That's not, that's not super sexy to the holiness movement. That's not super sexy to a lot of different bodies out there, quite honestly. But this is how Paul, this is how God lays it out. This is the biblical worldview. I, that's how I read it. Wake up each morning, putting off, putting to death, grabbing whatever it is. Now, this could be a little maybe dramatic, but putting it under the waters of baptism and holding it there, putting it to death. I'm a baptized child of God every single day. Crab that thing, putting it to death, holding it under each day. Put it to death, put off. And um, this is God already beginning to restore. Notice, notice the image, the image piece there in verse 10. But I'd also take you back to, well, we don't have it on the screen, but verse 4 where it talks about, then you also will appear with him in glory. Glory, that word glory, there's a lot that could be talked about with that particular word. But glory can almost be and sometimes is used in a synonymous way to the image of God. There are times where it's used almost as, a, as, a, as, a, as similar to the image of God. And that we will have that. There's a sense in which we already do, and we wait. What are we to put on? Let's read a little bit more here. Put on then, notice that's the next section here. 
put to death, put off, put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness. There's the second thankfulness in the two verses. In your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks. There's the third one in three verses. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. Put on. Put off. Put on. And what is this? What are these words? Words like compassion, kindness, humble, being humble, meekness, patient, bearing with each other, forgiving each other, peace, giving thanks. What is all that grounded in? It was all grounded in the work of God. Look at this. He has chosen you, verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones. Look at loved. We, we are the beloved ones. You want to love? You got to realize who's loved you. You want to forgive? You got to learn who's forgiven you. That's verse something. It's in there. No, it is. I'm pretty sure it's, yeah, verse 13. He's forgiven you. It's the stuff that he's done. It's chapters one and two. And so then he moves to realize who you are, begin to put off and begin to put on. Be who you already are. In Christ. In Christ. What does that mean? What does that look like? Just imagine a poor farmer like that thinking about what he already has as he has to now wait for two or three months till the king returns. What would it look like to to live those two or three months. Putting on, putting on who he now is. Putting off a past that he isn't anymore. That's the Christian life. We have everything. Everything in Christ. And yet we wait. And yet we wait for the sun to be revealed. Right now we're hidden. There's a hiddenness. How'd that say that? Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Do you feel that? See, I feel that. So like when I think about what I'm saying to you, I'm like, yup. That's what I experience. See, and some of you have not been able to make sense of that. And so instead of just keeping it in tension, you've tried to kind of 
make it make sense. So when life is really hard, you're like, well, I must be doing something wrong. Or it, I pray and nothing happens, so I must not have everything. See, you've, 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 you've not allowed the word to just be over you. You have everything through faith in Jesus. You have everything. And then there's a not yetness. The now, not yetness. Put off who you're not anymore. You're not that anymore. And every day you'll have to wake up and you'll have to put it off. And put on who you are. Put it on. Put this stuff on. That's who you are. Through Jesus and what he's done for you. That's all I got for you today. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this, um, this word that has at least helped me. I don't know if it's helped anybody else, but I thank you that our life is hidden with you. And we've been, you know, I mean, there's, I, I could go to all the other Pauline texts and talk about all the different ways he talks about this. You know, we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. We, I mean, there's so much that we could look at. But, but this particular Colossians text, I thank you that we, have, we are hidden with you we have, we have we've been connected to your death and your resurrection in our baptism. And, and now we get to wake up each day and put off this, this old us stuff. And we get to put on the stuff that comes with you. And I thank you for that, Jesus. I thank you that your mercies are new every morning. I thank you for um, just, I guess walking with us through the trials and the hard stuff of this life. And there's a lot of people going through that in here. And it doesn't mean they're not a Christian. It doesn't mean they're not saved. What, where do we get that stuff? I just, that's the voice of the enemy. Those, Lord, who are, are connected to you by faith in you, we have everything, and yet we wait for your return. We look forward to that day when you will be revealed and in your being revealed, the hiddenness of even what it means to be hidden in you gets revealed and we get to share in your glory and that imageness that is lost in the garden becomes realized. I'm going to use that word, Lord, because that just seems to make sense. But that becomes realized in its fullest sense one day. Holy smokes, you can't come soon enough, Jesus. You can't come soon enough. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Lord, for that person who might be watching online or might be in here in the room with us today who doesn't, who doesn't know where they're at in their relationship with you, Jesus, I pray that they would see that, that you're not asking them to first put off and put on. You're asking them to come to you. God, you, you want to do a work in them. You're doing it even now. They're sensing it. They're feeling that. I just pray you give them the courage, the strength 
to partner up with another Christian somewhere or something who can walk them through? What does that look like to, to take that step in, in following you? Lord, thank you for this time today. We praise you. We love you. In Jesus' name.